Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. Um, welcome to this episode of the Third Way. Um, it's been cool to look at the data of who is uh, listening, and especially since I started publishing to Spotify and Apple, this very broad dem- range of demographics, which is always encouraging, encouraging to me. Um, also, want to remind everyone that the podcast episodes are free. The essays, you have to be a subscriber, but if you're a subscriber, you're going to get a free signed copy of my upcoming book, Essays from a Pandemic. So let's get to it. Uh, today, I'm joined by a dear friend, another person. It's funny, I have a pattern here of a person I've never actually met in person that have be- we've become great, like Zoom, text, and phone friends. Um, joined today by Karen Faulkner. Uh, Karen is the founder of uh, Faulkner Wellness and Advisory, which is an interesting and to have in a, in a business name because she kind of sits at this very unique intersection of executive development, culture, organizational culture, and wellness. And our topic today is the around the intersection of leadership and wellness. And um, I love, Karen, that you've combined like two of not just your two biggest passions, but your two areas where you are an expert. You could go be just a full-time wellness person, or you could go be a full-time advisory person. And I love that you took the leap to blend these to create your own kind of new niche or new category in the world. So that's pretty cool. So welcome. Thank you for having me. It's so exciting to be here today. Awesome. Well, so on that idea of um, kind of a kind of a setup to the questions we're both going to answer is when, when you had this idea like of this sort of blending, it's kind of like Reese's, you know, chocolate and peanut butter. Like <laughs> what happens if we blend executive executive and organizational development with wellness? Was that a like an emerging idea for you? Or is that one of those like flash back of the napkin moments? How did you arrive at that idea to build a business around this? So I have been in and around healthcare my entire life. My parents were nurses. um, And then after school, I went into the corporate world. And then I went into physical therapy for years when my kids were small. And for years and years and years, I worked as a manual therapist, treating individuals for pain and dysfunction and things like that, people who had chronic disease. And, you know, I was treating these people. And then, you know, it was like I was pulling them out of the river and then kind of plunking them back in. And then when I went back into the corporate world, when my kids got a little bit bigger, I found in conversation after conversation after conversation that our wellness is profoundly influenced by our work. And I said to myself, people don't always listen to their doctors. They don't always listen to their spouses, but they listen to really, really great leaders. And if I wanna create systemic change in wellness, and a healthier tomorrow, then I have to start with leaders and organizations. That's so interesting because, you know, I, in the work I've done over the years, I've had a number of clients that were in the fitness industry. Bodybuilding.com was a client of, of ours. And my former business partner and a venture I had uh, back in Boise back, you know, years ago, he, he, he worked over there. He, he left our partnership to go be like a chief branding officer or something. And he, I remember him telling the story of like going into the break room at bodybuilding.com and seeing donuts and throwing them away and people getting all butthurt about that. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, wellness, wellness initiatives, wellness training. It was like, it's just the kind of lane, you know, it's kind of like DEI, like this, here's the, that belongs in this department. But what you're proposing and what is you're putting out there is that um, 
in essence, and these are my words, that um, that wellness is a leader's moral responsibility. And so what is their responsibility? Like, how would you frame that where, you know, I think of like Howard Schultz, refer, you know, he when he was the CEO at Starbucks, Howard Schultz, I think that's his name. Anyway, uh, uh, he... Um, he said that he, they, he got rid of the term part-time employee, he said, because they're full-time humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a sort of, some executives and leaders do have this more holistic view of their team members, but what do you think is actual, the actual moral responsibility with wellness? So I think by and large, the responsibility of leaders is to be a great leader and to look at their team and say, you know, what is our mission? What is our vision? Where are we going? And how can we do it better? And our individual wellness drastically and significantly influences our mental abilities, how we feel emotionally, our motivation, our physical ability, our our ability to literally walk into the room and express our desires, you know, to do things professionally. You know, all of that is influenced by our wellness. So Again, I think that the leader's responsibility is just to kind of look around and say like, how can I help this team be even better? And I think that it's to take that wellness from this you know, pretty little box over here where we say that we're invested in people's wellness and say, hey, look, like I recognize that your wellness is influencing your communication and your sleep habits and you know, your bills and how that, you know, the, the static that that those things can create in our mind and how that can limit us professionally. And so to really recognize that marrying wellness with who we are professionally can profoundly influence our organizations. Yeah, I think it kind of comes down for me to ownership, um, meaning that, you know, it's the Jocko Willick, Leif Babin, you know, extreme ownership ideas that, and that ultimately leadership is love. I think that those things are supposed to go together. And it's only in kind of the industrial age and kind of low conscious masculinity where it, you know, you take care of your people as if they're, you know, dairy cows. Um, And, and so wellness was seen as a productivity initiative, um, Mm -hmm. which is just okay, I guess, but there's a next level to that. And, and it also goes back to the, you know, the ancient, um, the ancient golden rule of, you know, do unto others as you love want done unto you. And this idea that I am as a leader responsible for the whole human that is trusted me to, to follow me into whatever that is. And you look at elite teams, they're very much around their version of wellness. Um, and I also think it's more symbolic of like, if a leader is truly invested in the wellness of her, her or his team, that is almost like a leading indicator of their level of consciousness and their level of awareness of modern business, where people are not cogs in the machine. People are the machine, meaning every business is in the people business. Most just suck at it. Um, and you know, John, uh, Jamie Dimon, the Citibank CEO, has this, you know, this anti-remote uh, work uh, tirade of, you know, no seat, no job, you know, that kind of attitude. And, um, and so I, again, I think of it as it's almost like an ethical thing, like, is, uh, as, as, as the Stoics said, you know, the highest value is virtue, and virtue and wellness go together, they, they, they have to go together, because if you don't love the whole person, 
and the thing of wellness in, in that realm of love, then who are you leading? Absolutely. If you're not leading the whole person, who are you leading? Yeah. Absolutely. And that is, I think, you know, history, you know, you go way back in the day and people go to work and, you know, like then they come home to their family and they're like these two completely separate things. Well, now people are working from home. There's no separation or they're coming into the office and they're bringing their what's happening personally into work. Like, think about it as a nation, we have suffered profound loss and significant levels of stress over the last few years. You know, so we are scratching our heads as to what's happening. Why, why is our culture so disengaged and things like that? And it's because people don't feel known, you know, people. And so when we say like, I care about you as a person, as a whole, what's happening, you know, it's saying, I care. And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons people are leaving companies is because they don't feel valued or cared about. And I think um, that this, when we engage in, when we help to, you know, foster professional growth and development, we incorporate that wellness, you know, it's saying like, I value your journey and wherever you want to go. Um, you know, and I think that that that's important and that, and people are, are craving that right now. Right. And I think there's some discernment here. I don't believe in some sort of corporate nanny state either, you know, mm -hmm. sort of monetized codependency. I don't, yeah, I, I don't believe in that either. Um, and I do believe in personal accountability, but that goes back to extreme ownership is that, um, that, that idea that you are responsible for this person. So let's correlate it to something else is, um, so it seems to me that almost every investment a business makes now is around velocity. It's, it's really speed is the ultimate goal here. Cause we've sort of maxed out on productivity, you know? And oh. so when you think of it, so the things that the, the main the main emphasis of velocity for companies that are actually dedicated to innovation is the velocity of creation of things, the velocity of ideas. So I'm curious about um, what you think is the correlation between wellness and increasing the velocity and quality of creativity and innovation. <laughs> so I literally just this morning was having this kind of, you know, conversation in my own mind about this productivity versus creativity you know this instant gratification society mm -hmm. that we are in i want everything now mm -hmm. um you know versus you know like good things take time and so you know on one hand we look at creativity and innovation and we think all right well as this pertains to wellness you know we it's really hard to be creative when we don't leave the four walls that we live in you know, when we are sitting in our office all day long, socially isolated, um, you know, thinking about things like it's, you know, we have to come up out of the weeds and move and get outside and talk to people and experience things to really, really have those really great ideas. You know, this, one of the things that I was thinking about with this, people working remotely, when you used to be in an office and you wanted to go bounce an idea off somebody, you'd walk into their office and you'd bounce an idea off them. Well, now you have to schedule an appointment nine times out of 10. You know, how many really great ideas are lost mm -hmm. because we're too busy trying to do everything fast instead of just taking time to just shoot the breeze together, you know? So, you know, our wellness and creativity, you know, is influenced by our daily work habits, um, you know, and then in the other more technical terms, the way that 
we're sitting with our posture, the way that we are spending the majority of our day is also limiting our professional uh, creative capacity. Because literally, if you are slumped over in your office chair, you're not going to be really breathing as well. Your GI system isn't going to function as well. Um, so your oxygen levels, your GI function, um, your risk for illness and injury, all of those things are also going to be, you know, influenced. You're going to be maybe at an increased risk for pain. And then that pain, again, can create that static that limits the ability to see things clearly and creatively. Um, so there's a lot of ways it's related. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I'll give it, I agree with all that, and I'll give, but I'll give a kind of a different take, maybe a mildly controversial one, which is, um, I think that there's an association of a lack, a lack of wellness is less about capability or capacity, um, because, you know, you can do a prison workout, you can do, you know, you, there, it's, you, you know, maybe, you know, I don't want to ever disparage like people that have maybe a socioeconomic instability, the idea of working out, you know, is the, the, the Maslow hierarchy of survival does not necessarily include working out um, or, you know, wellness in that sense, but overall wellness, mental, physical, spiritual uh, wellness too, is that underneath it often, I think, is a sense of the reason they don't do it is, is the deeper reason is shame. Um, <sighs> And I think that one of the main benefits of wellness, because you see this over and over again, is, and it's this sort of Mobius strip between integrated trauma and getting healthy. Integrate, integrate your trauma and you either, maybe you start off in the gym or maybe, or maybe you start off with a different meal plan or maybe you start off in therapy, but there's this definite loop between integrating your trauma and this desire, this mindset, not a capacity or capability, but a mindset for wellness, which is when you realize your own value, you want to take care of yourself. Um, and I think um, then what happens is this space, the energetic space that was being taken up by coping mechanisms, um, busyness, um, you know, the, the, the noise, the, the um, reactive static, as you said, all of the attention and energy we are giving, we're giving to that when we organ, when we know who we really are and we find that like priceless, unfuckable with part of ourselves, <laughs> then, then wellness becomes an expectation that we have um, for ourselves. And then we probably are more likely to be attracted to leaders that feel the same way. And so that space, imagine like, you know, that let's say, you know, 50% of your energy is being used around the stuff I said, like coping mechanisms and avoidance and, sh and shame management and all of that, that goes away. The only thing that's going to replace that by nature, by through cosmic physics is creativity. And, and um, obviously there, I, maybe there's studies out there, but just, it kind of makes like logical sense that the more well, the more well you feel, and the more your wellness is encouraged, the more creative you are. Um, and, you know, to that point, you know, we look at this culture of chronic stress and burnout. Mm -hmm. And what is the root cause of some of that? It's not that bosses are asking for so much from people. It's our, it's our nature to be people pleasers. Yes. 
And then through, because of that nature, then, you know, we have this kind of never ending desire to please other people before ourselves. Yes. And then what coping mechanisms are we turning to? And so yes. this goes back to the original question of what is the responsibility of the leader? And that is to say like, what's really happening? You know, like what is the barrier to wellness for this individual? You know, is it socioeconomic? You know, is it that they can't, they won't, they don't know where to start, physically unable, um, no access to it. And when we remove those barriers to wellness and, you know, facilitate and foster um, increased opportunity for individual, you know, pursuit of wellness, absolutely, right back to increased creativity and, and genuine productivity. Yeah. And it's my observation that many cultures, family cultures, communities, business cultures are really often when it's overpopulated by low conscious people, it is a set of lies that everyone's agreed to. Mm -hmm. and, okay. and so underneath that then is you have your, your boss who is most frequently the way that they are coping with their unintegrated trauma, especially if it's a man, is to be a people controller. and then. The, the employees or the staff or the family members or whatever that have unintegrated trauma, their, their method, their, their fallback position is people pleaser. And if, so if, if one of those, if the boss or the team member or the family member reaches a level of sort of con wellness consciousness, they, they look around and go, this isn't right. And, you know, so that's why I think you often see like when there's a couple and one of them, they, they're, they're both maybe addicted to, you know, drugs or, you know, really overweight or just unhealthy. And one of them gets healthy. I can't remember the statistic, but I think it's around 70% divorce rate um, when, in that case or break, you know, they break up because I don't think it's possible for a higher conscious person to be in any sort of actual creative cosmic relationship with someone that's low conscious. I think you can love them, and, but you can't be in relationship with them. And I think that's kind of the micro of this bigger idea that imagine what would happen if the majority of your, your leaders and your team were operating at above David Hawkins's courage line and, and that wellness was not a initiative, but it was a way of being. What would happen? It would be so cool. A thousand percent. And that is... Justin, that's my vision. You know, it's not just, you know, this like, all right, let's let's get everybody to lose weight and and you know feel good. It's to genuinely enhance the right, length right. and quality with the underlying on quality of our life right. to be happy right. and to be fulfilled and to be, you know, you know, fulfilling our mission and our purpose here. Um, and to you know, to the higher consciousness, it's it's recognizing within the organizational standpoint, I want to invest in this person's wellness and physical, mental, spiritual, emotional well-being because my job as a leader is not to make them better so that they can be better for me. It's so that they can just be better. Period. Yes, I love that. One last question before we wrap, and this is kind of a rapid fire: is we're going to play a, bet, a game of benevolent authoritarianism. <laughs> so you have the you have the the power to change one common practice or policy in a, in companies related to wellness. What would be the one thing that you would make a mandate across all companies if you had the 
power to do so? So it's not even specific to wellness. It would be less reactive, more proactive. Okay. You know, when I think about health in general, right now we're very reactive. And I think that that is having a pretty profound influence on our habits and the way that we are, you know, being within organizations. You know, I don't, um, you know, I think that when leaders empower individuals to embrace challenge, embrace hard things, to be more proactive in their thinking, you know, then we really help to push our organization forward. You know, we are, you know, we've been in this kind of fight or flight mode, survival mm -hmm. mode um, for the last few years. And I think that, you know, a lot of organizations and leaders are still feeling reactive. And I think, you know, the only way to, to grow and to really be different is to say, you know what, I'm done being reactive. I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to do hard things. I'm going to get outside of my comfort zone. I'm going to embrace grittiness and mindset and, you know, sweat equity and things like that, because I recognize that a challenge is a good thing, you know, and anybody who's in sales, like the sale doesn't begin until someone says no. <laughs> so within yeah. organizations, it's, you know, I'm done being here. Let's go to the next level. And, um, you know, so I think it's just, again, it's, it's saying everybody has an individual place where they're starting from, um, mm -hmm. but stop being a victim and mm -hmm. let's solve the problem and get going forward. Yeah, I think mine um, would be that um, a leader's uh, compensation will be tied directly to the level of wellness of the team. Ooh. <laughs> it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be that difficult to measure. You know, you can put some metrics in place. Um, and, um, and I think that, I think that's going right to the sort that right to the idea that back to looping back to our first question about the, the ownership is, um, you know, you, you, it's hard to take ownership over that, which you don't, you are not uh, held accountable to. And mm -hmm. so in order to keep it from being a theory, we have to tie it to something performance related, you know, it's, a um, it, you know, you can't improve what you don't measure, you know, kind of that, uh, that, what was that Six Sigma type mindset. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but it would be interesting to see what would happen if, if indeed wellness of your team is a moral and a moral and ethical responsibility, let's tie it to compensation. It's similar to when I hear about companies, they, you know, they're, they're more progressive and they you know, have DEI initiatives and everything. It's like, all right, show me your board of directors. You know, it's a bunch of white dudes. Then what do you what are you doing? You know, like it's well, so, you know. I I agree, but I think that that's like I agree. We have to create some motivation, you know, because I mean I work by and large with the early endorsers who recognize this like wellness is important because it's just important. Um, you know, I think the danger of tying it to the compensation is at the end of the day, you're still looking at individuals who are going to make free choice that are, you know, largely operating um, as, you know, these products of childhood trauma walking around in grown up bodies. Right. And so you can't necessarily adjust their coping mechanisms or wellness in any sort of immediate fashion. Because again, there's this instant gratification isn't a thing, it's a journey. And so it's right. how do we quantify and measure the overall wellness. And I feel like 
I mean, gosh, there's that's a hard thing to measure and it's a hard yeah. thing to uh, to do. That's a yeah. So. yeah. Well, again, that's why I say benevolent authoritarianism because I don't mm -hmm. believe in that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it, that we, you know, I do believe in, in personal accountability, but it's an interesting exercise in moving something from sort of esoteric to application. And to your point, there are leaders that sort of already get it, and they what they're looking for is someone, you know, maybe like you, to help them design design uh, systems, like you said at the beginning one of my favorite phrases, systemic change. But I think that, you know, there's an opportunity here to be um, contra, you know, basically to build a brand, you either have to already be, you already sort of be famous or you have to be a heretic. I think one of the heretical things about what you're, what we're talking about here and what your, what your area of focus is, is, is A, it is a responsibility and B, if it's a responsibility, then there has to be some counter to that, some ramification not being met. Um, it can't, it's, it, you know, accountability can't just, can't, it doesn't exist when there's just one side of, of it. And I don't mean to be, I don't think we should, they should be punitive, but I'm just playing with the idea of accountability as a circle. So. Oh yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, there's this, this thing that has been coming up in, in a couple of different conversations. And that is, you know, our ability to, to look in the mirror and see the truth mm -hmm. and be accountable to ourselves and be accountable to the people around us. Um, you know, and I think that that's a, it's a very interesting kind of, that's a, I, that's an interesting way to think about it. You know? Yeah. Well, this was fun as expected. Um, oh, I'll link to your website and LinkedIn in the show notes and, um, Keep posting all of your inspiring Instagram content. <laughs> um, and uh, and it, was, it was great to visit with you. Thank you very much. It is always a pleasure. I am truly, truly grateful to, to know you um, that we've met and you know just to have the, the opportunity to share space in this time with you. Thank you to you and thank you to all the listeners as well. Thank you.